Welcome back to who's ever here today. Nice to see you again. Beautiful day outside today, isn't it? Really, really quite lovely. Am I unmuted? <laughs> okay. Definitely feels like spring. I don't know how long this weather is supposed to last, but looking forward to taking advantage of being in our backyard uh, after we get home and then after a particular meeting we have. So hopefully I'll get to catch some, but we'll get to catch some. And I hope, hope you're getting out there. What a really um, interesting day yesterday because I've uh, been working really hard, pretty consistently since um, since I've been working at home. And uh, yesterday for the first time, I did a uh, number, a few of us, four of us, five of us, Ben and Ben and Trevor, Kristen, myself, four of us, <laughs> got together to, to do some sewing. So we did this so mindful, and we were sewing masks together and conversation. And it, we did this from two to, we actually did it from two to six, so a little longer than we anticipated. But uh, it was so relaxing it felt just like we were for me my experience of this was uh, like we were together i mean we were together but it was virtual obviously um, but it was really really lovely um, i left that feeling so happy uh, so nourished so full uh, it was a simple gathering of people making masks to give away. So there's that really lovely feeling, uh, that immediate karma of generosity. So that was fun. Sharing with each other our tips on and our questions and our uh, where we might get stumped um, and and then just checking in on how we're doing and what we're doing and it was so back to normal <laughs> you know that uh, it was very very valuable and I just wanted to stress how beneficial um, positive relationships are to ourselves you know where we can there is just a feeling of comradeship a feeling of respect a feeling of joy for myself there was this feeling of respect comradeship and joy uh, while we were together doing a product that involved this really lovely sense of generosity and, and the ideas that were kind of brimming out of us, the creativity that flowed within our conversations while we're doing this was so, it felt so good. And uh, 
Charla will talk a little bit more about that later, but it was, it was again, I just wanted to stress how nourishing it is. Um, the Buddha put a lot of, a lot of emphasis on the value of sustaining healthy relationships, you know, and, and encouraging us to pull back from relationships that are toxic. Uh, sometimes we just need space from, from, you know, things that are just always stirred up. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's, and that's just a wise and a kind thing to do uh, for ourselves and, and for each other. Um, I picked up this little um, booklet. Alistair, can you hold, hand me that book? This little booklet by... Aya Santusika. I was reading this this morning and I came across this piece that I really enjoyed and, and I felt it, it spoke uh, to what I was feeling last night. There was such a break from for me from fear, both of fear of things that, um, uh, you know, fear of the virus, um, fear of, there's always a possibility for so many of us to lose our livelihood. We just don't know how long this is going to go on. So, and, um, you know, fear of, 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 of disappointing or being uh, in relationships that are unhealthy or don't, you know, kind of painful. So these fears had been coming up and this contact I had yesterday just alleviated. There was no space for that. It was so healthy, so ordinary, so um, full of sharing with each other that it was really lovely. And this uh, little piece that Aya Santusica wrote about, I thought just addressed this and, you know, it just kind of validated for me uh, this experience. And the reason I'm bringing it up because as I have shared many, many times, it is so important to really acknowledge those moments where things are joyful, where the results of our actions and our interactions with others are lead, lead to peace, lead to calm, lead to joy, lead to trust between each other. And it's just really important to acknowledge those. And so then repeat them as often as we can. <laughs> What helps us um, to maintain a sense of, or to build an, a sense of trust, to build a sense of joy? So, Aya Santusika, this is a little book uh, that she wrote. And I believe she passed this book out. I wasn't here for that weekend. I was dealing with a family urgency matter. But I did hear that she was passing on a small booklet, and I think this was probably it, but she sent it to me later. So I'm, I'm not positive if this is the book. Um, but anyway, this little piece that called that is um, titled Relief from Five Fears. Have you ever feared losing your livelihood, getting a bad reputation, or feeling timid or insecure in a crowd of people? Are you afraid of death or what might happen after death? I think most people have experienced one or more of these five fears. The Buddha describes how we can learn these five, 
I mean, the Buddha describes how we can leave these fears behind. This teaching appears in the Anguttarata Nikaya and is called powers. Here the Buddha says that if we possess four powers, we no longer experience these five fears. These are the power of wisdom, the power of energy, the power of blamelessness, and the power of sustaining favorable relationships. In order to understand these powers and how they can relieve us from these five fears, I reflected on the way my father lived, worked and engaged with people. As far as I know, my father didn't suffer from any of these fears. As I think about this approach to life and the Buddha's explanation of these powers, I can understand why. In many respects, my father was an ordinary man. He worked hard as in the nature of farm life, as is the nature of farm life. And he was honest and straightforward. Even though he knew nothing about Buddhism, he seemed to have a basic understanding of karma. He was quite confident that if one puts forth good effort, one will be supported in their life and work. I think this was more of a feeling for him than an idea. In this teaching, the Buddha defines the power of wisdom as when one has clearly seen and explored with wisdom those qualities that are unskillful and those, and those that are skillful. And uh, I'm not sure if I read that right. One has clearly seen and explored with wisdom those qualities that are unskillful and those that are skillful, blamable and blameless dark and bright, those that should not be cultivated and those that should be cultivated, those that are unworthy of the noble ones, those that are worthy of the noble ones. I think my father's understanding of wisdom was similar. He considered it a common sense, a basic knowledge of right and wrong. Of course, one has to follow through and do what is right and avoid doing what is wrong as much as possible. This accords with the Buddhist definition of the power of energy. One generates enthusiasm, tries, makes an effort, exerts the mind, and strives to give up those qualities that are unskillful, and to gain those qualities that are skillful. The power of blamelessness follows easily on the heels of the first two powers. It's when one has blameless conduct by way of body, speech, and mind. Living in a small, tight-knit community, everyone knew my father and everyone respected him. He was friendly, kind, and fair. He enjoyed helping others and there were many opportunities to do so. No one is entirely blameless, but people know if your heart is in the right place, as they say. They see that most of the time you make a sincere effort to do the right thing and generally things work out. I don't recall my father ever having trouble with anyone. There was one time when the neighbor down the, downstream from us dammed up his ditch during a wet period, keeping our land from draining properly. My father was worried about the crops and having a conflict, and he was worried about having a conflict with the neighbor. He went over to talk it through with him and the neighbor apologized and removed the dam. Almost without fail, the neighbors worked together for their general welfare. 
When another neighboring farmer became sick in the spring, just as planting started, my father planted all of his crops for him. Once when my father had an accident, a few days before finishing harvest and was completely laid up, a few farmers came in to finish for him. At times like these, no one wants to no one wants or expects any pay for their work. The attitude is we keep each other, we help each other, and we'll all get through it. They knew how good it feels to help one another and to receive help when you need it. This brings us to the fourth power. It can be translated as inclusiveness or as sustaining favorable relationships. The Pali word that is used, sangha, can also be translated as kind disposition, kindliness, sympathy, friendliness, help, assistance, protection, and favor. The first time I read this sutta, this fourth power took me by surprise. I had never seen it in any of the Buddha's other lists. Upon further examination, I can really see how essential it is for dispelling some of these fears, especially the fear of losing one's livelihood. My father related to the other farmers and to the businessmen in town with Sangha. When I was a young child, there were two grocery stores in town. Both were small and owned and operated by local families. My father generally went to one of them every Saturday night for the week's groceries. When I was about six years old, a new supermarket came into town. Everyone was very excited about this. There would be much more variety of products, and it was likely that they would sell for less. My father stayed with the merchants he had patronized for years. He knew that they would lose a lot of business and he valued the relationship with the merchants and their well-being above whatever savings he would gain by shopping at the bigger store. Years later, my father started his own business, selling farm equipment. He began because he wanted to help his friends buy the equipment they needed for less than they would have to pay through a large dealership. I remember seeing him talking with other farmers sitting on the tailgate of his pickup truck. He kept his catalogs in the truck bed. This was his first office. His business did well, he made a profit, and he helped many farmers. I remember him saying to someone as they were making a deal, are you getting enough out of this? To my father's good business meant being fair and making sure that everyone could earn a decent living. The Buddha gave four instructions on how to sustain favorable relationships. One of the Buddha's lay disciples listed these instructions once when he came to visit the Buddha with a large following of his own in tow. The Buddha asked him how he was able to have such a large group of followers. And he explained that he used the four means of sustaining favorable relationships that the Buddha taught. If someone would benefit from a gift, he would give them a gift. If someone would benefit from kind words, he would speak to them with kind words. If someone would benefit from being cared for by some action, he would care for them in that way. If someone would benefit from being treated with impartiality, he would treat them with impartiality. This last one seems to have a couple of sides to it. One treats others equally, but not playing favorites, and one treats others the same whether they are going through good times or bad.
I remember my father doing this kind of thing, not to gain anything, just to be kind and helpful. It turned out that he had also that he also had a pretty large following. He used to say that when he dies, only a few people, maybe a handful, will come to his funeral. When he actually died, when he actually did die, many, many people came. My mother and I stood at the front of the large of a large room near the casket and greeted people one by one in line. Someone came over to me and said, do you know that people are lined up out the door and around the block? Some people had driven from as far as two states away. Every person took the time to tell us a story about something kind my father had done for them. My, my mother hadn't known about many my mother hadn't known about many of these acts of kindness. They said things like, he plowed the snow out of my driveway with his tractor. He left a bag of sweet corn on my porch. He waved and smiled at me every time we drove past each other. So like the Buddha's wise disciples, I think my father would have been able to say, why should I be afraid of losing my livelihood or of getting a bad reputation? Why should I be afraid to be in any group of people? Why fear death or anything that can happen afterwards? I have these four powers. I'm sure my father would have never thought about it in this way, but he was living it. It's nice when we can see someone's life stretch out behind us, along with some of the results of their actions. It is encouraging to know that we can put the cause and conditions into effect now that will lead to good results in the future. I'm so grateful to my father for being the kind of ordinary man he was, one with such a good heart and such a good example. I really, I really enjoyed uh, reading that. For one, it's just really beautiful to see how much she loved her father you know, and, and um, speaks about him in, with such honor and praise. And uh, it sounds as well that her father was somebody that never did things to seek out praise um, and never expected it in, in exchange. But uh, so being there, that... Um, encouragement from the Buddha of coming from a place of generosity means not coming from a place first of what can I get, what can I gain, but how can I be kind? How can I help? And participating with people who are living this, whether it be for a few hours, a few months, or a lifetime, you know, or just even five minutes, but being in the presence to, you know, two people, being in the presence of each other, where they're not putting what they can get, but what they can give first, is a beautiful experience, is a sustainable relationship. It's easy to feel this is real natural with small children. I'm not getting my hit off my grandchildren these days because I can't get near them. 
you know, I see them on the phone or on, on FaceTime uh, and that's lovely, but uh, you know, we can't physically uh, be together. And even though we couldn't physically be together last night, the four of us, I certainly felt that nourishment, uh, that benefit. And it's still with me today. It, it, I, I feel it, I felt it through the night. Uh, I felt it when I woke up. Um, I picked up Aya Santusica's book and I see it again. It was, it's, it's lovely to hear her experience and then be able to relate to it in a, again in a nourishing way. Yeah, it makes me, uh, it brings up a fondness. It brings up a sense of Kalyanamita. Um, you know, we're here. It feels so good to be present with a sense of, I want to help and I want to give. And it is amplified when you get it back from three other people. I'm just one. But when I'm in the presence of three other people that are also, I want to help. I want to give. It's a beautiful thing. It's so nourishing. One of the benefits of Sangha. And I really like that sustainable relationship. Relationships that are always about duty and correcting and lifting somebody, putting somebody down to lift yourself up. That's not sustainable. We can't, we will naturally pull away. As we all know, we've had these in our lives. Uh, but the, so it's really worth recognizing when we have a sustainable, a beautiful, a healthy interaction uh, with each other and, and take, take advantage of nourishing those kinds of connections. You know, and don't, you know, feel good about the wisdom of stepping back if it's not feeling good. You know, I've, I've seen people do this with me and that's important to recognize when somebody's pulling back. Why is that? You know, kind of reflect on what might I be doing that's not sustainable? Uh, and it might not be something, but we don't know that until we're willing to accept that we may be doing something and really, really reflect that we may be doing something that's difficult for this other person to sustain being in contact uh, with us. I remember uh, years ago, that's probably about eight years ago, I was having a um, challenging time with a variety <laughs> of relationships, with a few relationships. And I was so puzzled about it. I was so confused. And I, I just, I needed to get down into a monastery and, and check something out. And so I chose to go down to um, Wat Meta. Uh, um, because uh, Ajahn Pasana was overseas at the time. So I decided I'm going to go down to Wat Meta. And I have every confidence that Ajahn Jeff respects me I, and I trust him and he's going to tell me the truth. 
and I'm going to, if I take his um, advice, I'm going to learn from it. And so I went down and I shared with him in my first check-in with him. I shared that, you know, I really piss a lot of people off <laughs> and I don't know what I'm doing. And then I just asked him, I, I recognize that I need to, I need to change and I don't know what I need to change. But my first question for him is, please tell me honestly, do you think I can change? And he immediately just said, yes, yes. And he helped me <laughs> over the two weeks I was down there. He gave me, because I trusted him, because I um, wanted to see, well, what might I be doing? And that was all about being a little bit toxic in this case. And it really did help. And so obviously doing a lot of meta practice, it really did help. I mean, Ajahn Pasano brings up, a, spoken about um, when he was an abbot early in his, uh, he came up, became an abbot when he was on his seventh Vasa uh, winter retreat or rains retreat, whatever whatever Vasa means, he became an abbot, and um, he was having a lot of trouble, um, a lot of two particular bhikkhus were upset with him and continuing to tell him what he could do to correct his behavior, and he was just so irritated with them, and he was really getting worn down, and he just, it, it was a difficult time for him. And then he, he thought, well, I'm just going to apply meta. So every time he went on alms round for several days, or it could have been weeks, don't quite recall, for some period of time while he was on alms round, he would think of one of these monks for a period of time and with each step say, may you be well and happy. May you be at peace. And then he'd think about the other monk. May you be well and happy. May you be at peace. And so over a period of time, that was his focus. That was all he focused on. He didn't focus on what these monks were saying to him or, or the corrections that they were making and the irritation it brought up. And he, he just thought about may you be well and happy. And he said it was amazing to see the change in the relationship and they both calmed down and they didn't even have to talk about, they didn't have to sit down and talk about, you know, you do this and you should do it like that. None, none of that. That was not working for them. It wasn't working for him, but what did work was offering a sense of uh, generous um, feelings, you know, the generosity of his goodwill. So that was a big part of it. I went away from my um, two weeks with Ajahn Jeff, Ajahn Tanisra. I went away with the instruction of practicing meta kindness as a, because it will, it's a protection. You know, it's a protection from other ill people's ill will coming in because you're not taking it personally because you're filled with this beauty, this goodness, this generosity, this wish for others to be happy. And when we're really feeling confident and strong and positive, 
somebody's negativity just bounces off of that. You know, just doesn't reach, just doesn't hurt quite so much. You know, it's when we're feeling insecure that those things can really penetrate. So it's just like that, that sense of generosity, that generous sense of spirit is a valuable protection for our hearts and for the well-being of ourselves and for the well-being of anybody that we come into contact with. So with that, I'd like to um, open it up for conversation or questions if anybody would like to uh, share their own experiences or, um, or ask a question. So I'll just go ahead and see if there's anybody that would like to share. And go ahead and unmute yourself with the space bar or by clicking on your little microphone icon or wave your arms vigorously in the air <laughs> and I can come do it for you. <laughs> Looks like Amanda might be just connect. There she goes. Nope. <laughs> Did, was anybody present for when Aya Santusica was here? Oh, Bernadette, great. Oh, thank you. I was, before you started the next sentence, but um, my, when you were reflecting on uh, sharing and, and the theme of how that, um, it seems so simple, it makes, it makes the practice seem more practical, more real. I could feel very, very much the welling up in my heart to realize that small actions have an effect. And that, because I'm always, you know, kind of negative on myself and really still come from a place of, you know, I need to offer meta to myself, but I was able to listen to what you were saying and think about and not specific just, you know, to recently, but to think about, you know, I, I do do things with that sense of um, wanting to just give and, and coming from that place. And it makes me feel better about myself. And, and I appreciate that that's something that's attainable, something that I can do in who I am without having to go, oh, I didn't set up the intent for today and I didn't do this rule and I didn't do something else. So I really appreciated that thought and I want to find that, that book. Um, I didn't, I was here for the last visit, but I didn't pick up that little book for some reason. So anyway, um, but, but thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. I don't think, I think that the ones that she brought up, um, if that was the book even, uh, they, they all got passed out. So we don't have more of those, but you might um, go to Karuna Vihara and that's her uh, website so that you could request one of those books just and just let her know, you know, how valuable that was for, for you. It's a great little book. I had only just read it this morning. She sent it to me a while ago 
beautiful little note in the front of it. And then I set it down next to my bed and ended up putting another book on top of it. Forgot all about it. <laughs> so I'm glad to come across it again. What's the name of the book? Um, what did I do with that book? It's called uh, Relief. Um, Thank you. Can you see it? Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Nice. Okay. Bonnie. I, um, pretty early on in, in uh, your uh, talk, I um, thought about the fact that when I retired and when my health started waning, I felt useless. I felt like I couldn't do anything for anybody. and. I couldn't do anything um, clear. I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I wasn't of benefit to the world anymore. Mm -hmm. And I get the sense that, that people now in, in isolation are feeling like they can't connect with people, therefore they, they, they have no worth. And I got a text this morning from my therapist asking me a question about my current situation with caregivers and I was able to answer her clearly and give her more information than she asked for and I felt so good just being able to provide, provide information and um, it, it, it's, it's something we don't pay attention to. So thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, yes, you're welcome. Akula, I just wanted to say thank you so much because every time you have your talk, your Dhamma talk on Sunday, Sila, I always think that was exactly what I needed to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just feel like during these times lately, I've been kind of like, what's been in my heart is like, I don't have any control of this. I don't have any control of this. And it's been um, kind of coming out in lack of patience. Mm -hmm. uh, to my family members and um, I think people have been getting on my nerves and I'm just like, it's such a beautiful reminder, you know, what you talked about today, just wisdom and energy and blamelessness and fostering those positive relationships because we can, when we take that time. And so I'm just really grateful for that um, so when we're reminded of that, we actually can do a lot. So um, just being reminded of that in our practice has, I feel very uplifted. So thank you very much. And it's so good to be with all of you today. <laughs> You're welcome. I think one of the things that I realized yesterday, it was, it was such a different feeling that I didn't realize I was missing, uh, that, I, that I 
it, it was just so obvious that it was so incredibly nourishing for me and I can still feel that benefit right now I'm gonna I'm gonna bet even the the, the book group that's going on it's probably the same kind of thing because they're, they're talking about Dhamma you know and they're, they're wanting to be together and share but anyway it was such it was it was such a um, big difference for me that I, I that's when I realized that I wasn't giving myself enough nourishing um, opportunities enough I was forgetting about that sustainable relationship it just used to be so all the time full on when we had a center where you know I was interacting with people almost every day um, in in a sense on you know supporting each other along this path and then uh, yeah, I'm still doing work and whatnot but I was but I was doing more a lot of web work you know and, and less once a week this which always feels really good being and seeing people gathering together it really is lovely to to be together in this way and then I would go home and be in on my computer pulling out all this information and having lovely contacts back and forth with monastics and whatnot but you know just over emails and <laughs> it's like it really is important and it's to pay attention to those nourishing uh, relationships and what a big difference it makes and that we're part of making that a nourished paying attention to what we're doing that's adding to other people's nourishment and and build that you know make habits out of that I found it very inspiring <laughs> It might be interesting to hear, um, Charla, Charla, can you actually unmute yourself? Can you share for a moment what it was like for you yesterday? Okay. It doesn't have to be like it was for me. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I'm similar. I wouldn't say it was that different, really. Um, it was just very wholesome. I think that was as I was cooking dinner afterwards. I just felt like really calm. I think I mentioned to my partner, I was like, it was so relaxing to be sewing and having a conversation and still be very focused. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and sometimes like not being talkative because I had to have my attention. So, well, I was hand sewing, so it was taking <laughs> a lot more attention, but um, it was, it was just really, it was really pleasant to like you know hold things up and like you know like show what we were doing and uh just kind of enjoy the process that each one each person was having or share in like oh no this i did this wrong or you know and <laughs> this oh I, something happened and like oh but you can do it this way you know and just i think just like a lot of activities that we aren't able to share so much with other people in that way you can find in terms of Dhamma practice is just like an opportunity to be mindful um, of, you know, idle chatter, but also an opportunity to just be together in a, a very simple activity that didn't require um, I don't. I guess it didn't require too much sophistication. Yeah, 
that it could be just relaxed, an easy place for the heart to be together. And that is, um, I mean, that, as you say, said earlier, so that's the benefit of Kalyanamita is you really, and just Sangha in general, is that you can find that, that time together is so beneficial for mm-hmm. other parts of your life and um, getting to have moments like that where it doesn't have to be a formal Dhamma conversation for it to have merit in the way that you, you feel the, the after effects. And, you know, it's, it's nice to know that, you know, you were also feeling that calm, that yeah. benefit of that. Because, yeah, and I did too. That's it. I still feel it this morning. Did, did you just ask the question? What was that? No, I said, I just said, I also feel it this morning. Okay. Very good. Um, Can I ask? Go ahead. Who is this? Oh, Abani. Um, you were sewing masks for whom? We are sewing masks for the community. Yay. Yeah. Ah. Charlotte, do you want to talk real quick? We'll, we'll do announcements. That's, that leads us into our announcement. We'll start with Charla, um, probably Ruby, and maybe uh, Jane. We'll, we'll just go ahead and check in with you guys real quick. You want to yes. talk about that, Charla? Sure. Great segue, Bonnie. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so one of, the, out, one of the moments of reflection that happened while we were sewing is, is that I wonder if people in the community need masks. And so I'm not sure I had that thought, like when we started, you know, I was just like making a mask and maybe, but I think there is now, we definitely said, if there is a need in our community, we would like to meet that need. And um, I sent an email very late last night as I was making my bread about that. But the short answer is if you're in need of a mask or two, We'd like to set up a way for us to see how many that is from anyone in the community. We figure people need at least two, but, and then we'll try and meet that need and as best we can in the next few weeks. And it may not happen right away, like getting them all out, but we'll, we'll do our best. And, um, and then we figured we could probably have a way to do a pickup at the center, you know, in some kind of safe manner where people, we could put it in bags and just kind of put it in people's cars or something like that if they drove by. And um, and then that might be an opportunity for us to like see each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, we were imagining, you know, all the, the four of us standing at, at distance of each other, safe distance <laughs> of each other on the street. And we can, we'll have little plastic bags, and the, the mask will be washed and dried before you receive them. So they'll be sterilized. They'll be in, in plastic bags. And then you can drive by with your window down, and we can toss them in. <laughs> it would just be so fun. <laughs> we'll have a little mask tossing party. <laughs> but we really would like to be able to, it would feel good for all of us, you know. So we encourage people, if, if you could... Uh, benefit from a couple of masks, you know, and if you have a couple of people that actually in, in your family that come, you know, we'll do, we'll do a couple of masks for, 
family members. So, Alistair, <clears throat> did you have something to? Yeah, I've seen Mary play horseshoes, so I'm a little worried about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's only plastic and cloth. I won't break your window. It might smack you in the face, but I'll say sorry. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that also the thing is, you know, the reality of the future, of, it's not a masks for the next six weeks. It could be masks for, you know, we're going to need, the whole, everyone's going to need masks for the next probably six to eight months or more. Yeah. So, Probably a year. So, yeah. Yeah, or more. So, you know, regardless of how fast we do it, like the need is still going to be there. So. You know, it could be that this is just the first round, or who knows? I don't want to get us committed, so I'll just say this is what we're committing to now. And I think it's, I think it sounds fun to me. And we're really, really hoping to, that you do take advantage of that. It'll be very fun for us to do. Ruby, would you like to talk about? I think next Saturday you have your book group again. Okay. Yeah, the uh, second meeting of the group uh, will be next Saturday from twelve thirty to two. Mm -hmm. And uh, the book we've picked is Parami by Ajahn Suchito, which um, is really apt right now because he's addressing it from the viewpoint of crossing life's floods. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're definitely in one now. Mm -hmm. So um, if you'd like to join, again, it's 1230. And um, the link has been sent out and I will send it out again. And um, if you could read ahead, you don't have to, but if you could, um, through, I think it's about the middle of chapter one, we're going to be talking uh, specifically about generosity. Oh. Nice. Like sewing masks for the community. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, Jane, uh, would you like to chat a little bit or just remind us about the opportunity for generosity sure um whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on yeah i don't know what that is <laughs> it's okay it just sometimes takes a few seconds for it to work out no, no, I think, well maybe so just keep talking okay i'll keep talking i guess we have a program hand to heart and it, um it's really taking off Jane? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I think the noise is if you have both your phone and your computer on audio, that's likely what it is. I think you're right. <laughs> it's so strange, Sandine. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Just turned it off. Okay. Um, so, Hannah Hart is um, really taking off in people's hearts. Uh, it's been funded, it's being funded, and we have a generous funder um, at this point. And um, as you said, Sharla, I think that we do have a situation that might be going on for a little while, you know, a year maybe or so. So I think that um, some of the things that Sukula and I had talked about last fall might be appropriate for us to be thinking about in the year to come with whenever is uh, we are hoping to have a, a pantry, a food pantry at the center and perishable, not per non-perishable goods, of course. And, you know, with what's going on in the Midwest as well with food, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure we're going to have food security 
as the United States, but we might have some food insecurity amongst um, community members. So we want to be uh, we want to be ahead of that, and we want to be aware of that. And also, just you know, want to um, I'm starting to talk to people about what makes it difficult to ask for what you might need. Perhaps people in our community don't need much, um, and perhaps they do. So uh, if you have ideas about perhaps what makes it difficult to, to allow other members to, to feel the experience of generosity, I'd love to hear about it and just email me. Right. Thank you, Jane. Are there any other um, announcements or anything that, anything else that anybody would like to share? I know I, I see Javier and Jeanette are here. It's nice to see you guys again. It's been a while. How are the kids doing? Oh, the kids are doing very well. And um, we're just really happy to finally be with you guys on Zoom. This is awesome. Thank yeah. you so much for doing this. Yeah, Alistair's doing all the behind the scenes work. I'm just sitting here talking. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to know, is that your background or are you actually at the temple? I am. Yeah, we, we did this on purpose so that you could feel, you know, you could still be at the temple. You know, That's like, very cool. Yeah, yeah. And Alistair moved the pictures up here so that, you know, in case anybody forgot what we're about and who we're about. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's cool. Yes, Bernadette, I just wanted to add, especially since um, Xavier and Jenna are here, that if people want uh, smaller kid size, uh, we have patterns. I have a pattern for that. And so if people want masks, and you can just request, you know, hey, can I have a smaller one for kids? And we can make those. That's really sweet. Thank you. Yeah. And maybe one for the kitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, it's uh, 20, almost 20 till. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. And it was just really lovely to be present with you again. I look forward to seeing you, whoever comes in next week. Thank you so much for sharing your Sunday morning with Alistair and I, with Ajahn Chah and Lumpur <laughs> Fasano, and of course, the Buddha. <laughs> Take good care, and we'll see you soon. Please do drop an email to Charla. Let us know if you would like a mask. <laughs>